So I have a... Um, have a good word for us tonight. And the title of the message that I feel like the Lord gave me is a question. <laughs> and it is, how far do you want to take this? How far do you want to take this? I'm looking at you and asking, can we turn the lights up a little? I need to wake up. I need an awakening. I know where I am, but still, I need to be able to, you know, not see people. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I just feel like it gets a little. <laughs> but I'm asking you tonight, how far do you want to take this? How far do you want to go? How far do we want to go in God? Where is it that we want to go? How far do you want to take this? And I, I want to talk to you out of, out of the Old Testament tonight. I'm going to bring us into the New Testament. I've got enough scriptures to knock you down. And it's going to be good. But I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is, um, is challenging me in how far I want to take this. Everyone in this room, we have that question. How far, how far do we think that we can go with God? How far do you want to go in the state that you're in? <laughs> See, really it becomes, what's the question is, is how long do I want to stay the same way? Or how long does it take before I, I want to see a greater resolve in my life that I, everything's changing around me? Because a God's goodness is over my life. I'm going to use Elijah and Elisha, and I'm going to talk about the double portion, but it's not going to be like you think. Because we're not going for the double-double tonight. You already have the double. <laughs> you have unlimited, right? Because if we look at this script, at these scriptures, I'm going to start in First uh, Kings 19. I don't even know. You know the story. I'm just going. I'm just referring to it at, to start because there's there is the story of of Elijah, uh, who's told he's told go anoint. Elisha to take your place and I and I was reading through this today and I was thought about it when the Lord was speaking to Elijah he began to speak not in the fire not in the wind but in the still small voice and the Bible says that Elijah when when the still small voice began began to speak to him he wrapped his mantle say mantle, he wrapped his mantle around his face. And I don't know, there's probably some uh, good fact that Jewish tradition has about that, but I don't know what that is. I just thought of something as I was reading uh, yesterday, as I was going through uh, the account, and I thought of why was he closing himself in? And then in the next few verses, he begins to tell him to go anoint someone to take your mantle. I'm thinking Elijah liked his mantle. I'm thinking he was comfortable in his mantle. I'm thinking he didn't want to give up his mantle. Maybe, maybe not. It's just my own thoughts. That's not gospel. But I'm thinking that Holy Spirit was, the, the, the voice of the Lord was speaking to him to give it up, to give it away. 
And remember the, remember the account when he goes to Elisha's. He finds Elisha. It says he found him. He went to seek him out. He found him. And when he, he went by, he said, come, follow me. And he threw his mantle on him. Come on, say that's the first portion. That's the first portion. And everyone in this room has been given the first portion. That's where God comes and he calls you to himself. Right? Elijah is almost like a, a, a Jesus, or right? But there's this picture that we see that he throws his mantle. It's, he goes by and, and releases the mantle over uh, Elisha and, and says to him, follow me, follow me, run after me. And what does he do? He says, well, can I go back and say goodbye to my mother and father? And the strangest thing he says, he says, what I have to do with you? I'm thinking, man, that's kind of rude. Go see your parents, but what do I have to do with you? You know, I feel like Elijah was ornery anyway. Probably Elisha was no better. He sent the bears after the boys. But I, I was thinking about this, and as I'm thinking, there was a release of a mantle, and he took everything, and he gave it up. He says, I'm going back, and instead of saying, I'm going to say goodbye to my mother and father, he takes his family business, he chops all the wood up, he begins to burn the cow. Come on, 12 yokes of oxen, boiled and given as a sacrifice, right? Hello, someone with me? This is what happens. So he, it's, listen, the first thing that we must do is follow the call of God. Why? Jesus said it like this. He said, no one is so crazy. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. No one. And I just want to encourage us tonight, you're fit for the kingdom. All right. I'm speaking to a mural tonight. Come on, this is interactive preaching. It never stops. I just need some expressions, not oil paintings. I love you. But we get, like I said, we get out of this what we put into it, right? And that, that doesn't mean you need to shout, you know, jump and shout. But come on, just say yes. Yes, yes I'm telling you, you've received a first mantle already. It's just by saying yes to Jesus. If tonight, if you're in this place, you haven't said yes, and you haven't given your life to Jesus, just say yes. God, I give you lordship over my life. That's really all it is. And then what does it look like? Walking in complete obedience to him. We're going to talk about that now because what happens in the place where he gets the second mantle. Come on, he got another mantle. I didn't realize this, but he got a second mantle. I'm just reading it through. I'm like, wait, he got one, took that one, was walking in that. That was the, the prophetic ministry that was walking with the prophet that was walking under what he already had. And now he's going to receive the, the upgrade. But what does the upgrade look like? I'll show you. It's all about your character. <laughs> because the, he wanted what? The second portion of his spirit. Not big S. Little S. Daniel had an excellent spirit. It wasn't the spirit, Holy Spirit, but he had an excellent spirit. 
What was, what's God speaking to us in that? When he's saying, I'm looking for those who have an excellent spirit. I'm looking for those who want a double portion of my spirit. What does that look like? That looks like a double portion of what God already walked out on the earth. What is that? That's like, come on. If if I can just get the first portion with all the goodies, like, you know, signs, wonders, miracles, when on demand, like, come on. It should be like this. This is what our lives should look like. Your life should look like that, that when you believe something that the Lord is going to do, it happens. That's what my Bible says, that when I believe that I'll receive it, when I believe according to my faith, I see things happen. When I, when I don't stop praying, when I don't stop knocking, when I continue to contend, I see heaven come. And so for everyone in this room, we're just going to go. Uh, we're going to go to uh, 2 Kings. Way back. Started at the end of my message. No. Kind of did. Second Kings chapter two, just six verses. And we'll just read it through. It came to pass, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. Listen, something supernatural is about to happen, and and God is about to take. Come on, there's two people that were taken up. Elijah, it said, Elijah was taken up, right, in a chariot, literally in a chariot. That means Elijah never died. He's in heaven now, wherever heaven is. Think about that. It's right next to you. It's always near. Right? So Elijah is already, he translated from this to that. Enoch walked with God and was no more. You all right? So he went into heaven by a rowan in that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, he said, stay here, please. (laughs) He was being at least polite. For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elisha said to him, as, soon, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will, be, that your, that the Lord will take away your master from you over today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. In other words, shut up. I know this. And then Elijah said to him, I just said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, no. See, what are we seeing? There's a pattern, right? There's consistency and there's tenacity. No, I'm not going away from you. I know what's about to happen, and I'm taking what you have, and I want every bit of it. And everything that you released on the earth, I'm I'm believing that I'm going to get it, and I'm going to receive it before you pass from this earth to heaven, Right? And so, listen, this is good. I could, I could preach a message to you. Follow the man of God till, till the very end. And, you know, I, I, but I'm not going to do that. Because there's something beyond the traditional way we know and think of things. Because I believe that the Lord wants to show us something. There's something for you in here that, that God is about to open up, right? And he says, yes, 
uh, he said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. But he said, as the Lord lives, uh, verse 4, but he said to him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And then they came to Jericho. Right? Now the sons of the prophets, come on, there they go again. We're at Jericho, and they came to Elisha. So there was more prophets, right? After Elijah was just crying that there's no more prophets. There's prophets all over the place telling him stuff. You know that he's going to leave. Obviously, they had revelation that Elijah was about to be taken up. Now, why? Why? I thought about this. I'm not even going to answer the question. But why would there be a company of prophets in both Jericho and Bethel, right, that would say that God is about to be about to take your master up because there was a true word of the Lord in the day right that God was speaking loud and clear and it was coming as a witness and so watch for that watch for that but now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said to him do you not do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today and he said yes yes I know keep silent shut up then he then Elijah said stay here please <laughs> stay in Saying it again, for the Lord sent me on to Jordan, and as long as the Lord lives, so my soul. And, and the two went, men went on. So I just want to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you about the, the places specifically. Because there's lessons that the Lord, there's principles, and there's eternal principles that the Lord wants to release for us today. Right? Gilgal speaks of a place of separation. Gilgal will speak, right? They went on from one place. They went to Gilgal. They left one place and went to Gilgal, right? They left Gilgal and went. And it says that, that listen, if you look at historical, uh, if, we, if we go back in the Old Testament, we look at Joshua, we can look at some things that really happened. There was some things that were set in place that we needed to pay attention to. And one is that they built an altar, at Gilgal, it was an altar to say, this is what God does. He set up 12 stones, Joshua chapter 4 and verse 19. And I don't want to get reading in all this because it's going to get bogged down. I feel like the Lord is speaking some things, that there was an altar built. It was a place that, that was uh, commemorated. It was a place that we remember. It was a place where they separated from sin from Egypt into the promise. And it's also a place of consecration, right? Because the second thing in Gilgal is Joshua chapter 5. It says this. It said that they made, come on, you're going to say, ouch. They made flint knives. And it was a place where the cutting of the flesh took place. It was all the, all the kids that didn't get circumcised in the desert were now being given unto the Lord, were being circumcised and set unto God. And I'm telling you, God is trying to do some things in our lives that I know this, that Gilgal, Gilgal speaks of the rolling away of the reproach. And I want you tonight to see that God has already rolled away the reproach. Let's, what does that mean in Christ? That means Jesus already came and he sanctified you, he purified you, he made your life perfect. Because of the blood of Jesus, we don't have to cut ourselves with knives. We don't have to, come on, scourge our bodies. We don't have to do anything. There's nothing that self-afflicting that we need to do. Because the blood of Jesus did everything. The body was broken for you. 
And I'm encouraging us tonight because the, there's a lot, there's something of, of substance that the Lord wants us to grab. The rolling away, the rolling away of reproach. And some of us in this room, we continue to suffer with the things of the past. And listen, I'm telling you that God's trying to pull us out of our past and throw us into our future. He doesn't want you to live in this place where we live in the past. You cannot live in the past. There's made mistakes, yes. We all have, come on. If you open my closet, skeletons would fall all over the place. I'm telling you. But there's, there's this place of I don't worry about the skeletons because God covered my whole life. He covered my life, not so that I can go on doing my, my old deeds of the past, but he, caught, he covered it so that I'd walk in the fullness into the future, that I would be absolutely, absolutely separated unto him and consecrated, that I would know in my spirit, that you would know in your spirit that you have been consecrated and separated. There's no question about this. The gospel is clear that your life has been completely and radically changed. You no longer live in your past. You live in your future. And you should live towards your future. All those taunts because, you know, it reminded in, in history the, the altars were set up. And listen, someone needs to set up an altar. <laughs> Not, not in, the in the physical, but in your mind, in your, in your spirit, you need to set up an altar that says when the enemy comes and begins to taunt you and begin to bring up things of your past that you don't live there anymore, you've been living in the promise. And you are living out of the promise. And you're living towards the promise. There's no more living out of the past. Listen, the blood of Jesus corrected it all. It abolished everything. It broke the power of sin. It broke the power of death over your life. So you're separated from the past into your future. Right? And what is circumcision? Again, it, it speaks of the covenant of God. It speaks of covenant. God has given us a covenant promise. And you live out of that covenant promise. What is the covenant promise? That Jesus Christ died and he, he, he brought you back to have full access with the Father. You, just like Enoch, can walk with God and be no more. <laughs> that's, that's something. But God is talking about bringing us into a place where we live and we can walk in and out of the Spirit. You should be, come on, everyone in this room has been given access to divine, the divine nature of Jesus, and you can walk in and out. Come on. Tori was actually exhorting about it and singing about it today. Eden, where is Eden? Was Eden a, 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 a geographical place? I don't think so. It might have been on a map somewhere, but it wasn't a geographical place. It was heaven on earth. It was paradise. It was 
flawless. It, it, there was no sin. There was no weeds growing in the garden. There was no animals that were lame and, mo- and, and, and were born with defects. There was, no, there was no sickness. There was no disease. There was heaven and encountering God and living with God and living out of that place with heaven and living with God. And in the cool of the day, you talk to him. In the cool of the day, you be with him. Whatever time when he was rolling through, he'd just call on you. And you'd just say, yes, I'm here. And that's the place where you want to live out of. Because through Jesus, we have an even better covenant. Even better. Greater. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You, you live in the secret place of the Most High. You are separated under God. You go into the prayer closet and you are covered in the rock. You are hiding, you are hidden in the rock, in the secret place. There should be no place. But I'm telling you, I'm exhorting you to get to that place, to run to that place. I was speaking last night about praying without ceasing. How how do we pray? You live in a place of prayer. You live in a place of intercession. You live in a place where you are constantly in covenant with God. You are constantly in, 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 not covenant, covenant never ends, but constantly in the presence of the Lord. And we don't differentiate one place to the other. Like God is looking for you to pull away. Don't get me wrong. He's looking for us to be pulled away and separated under him. But I'm telling you tonight that there's some place that God is trying to bring the church. And that is a place of prayer and consecrated and, and hidden and separated under God. So you've been separated from your past and you're running into your future. Right? The second place here was Bethel. Right? Bethel. It's called the house of God. That's what it's translated as. But it's the place of encounter. And if you think of, of Jacob, right? In Jacob, uh, Genesis 28, verse 10, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head to lay down to sleep. And he had a dream, which he saw the stair way resting on the earth and it was its top was reaching heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it and 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 there above it stood the Lord stood the Lord there above it stood the Lord the Lord stood above and he said I am the Lord I'm the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac and I give you the I give you and your descendants the land which you are lying Come on, in rest. He's laying in rest, and God is unfolding his divine purpose. He's unfolding. You have a legacy. He's not doing anything, but he's laying there. And this is the place of encounter. God wants to bring us into separation and understanding that we're separated, understanding that he's, had a, he's got a covenant over your life. And come on, the reality of that has to set here. It has to go here. It can't just be in here. It has to move from the head to the heart. It has to so that you can end up and live out of encounter. You can live out of a place of encounter. Why? Because my Bible says that Jesus was the door and that I can enter in and out into green pastures through him. See, as soon as we, as the church, as soon as we learn that he's brought us into this place of divine union, that we can encounter him, turn on the, uh, whatever time. It doesn't have to be 6 a.m., come on. It can be whenever your time is. 
But he's calling you to set yourself apart for that time so that you encounter him. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the east and the west, the west and the east, and the north and the south. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Wow. And he was just thinking, I'm pretty messed up, God. My brother's about to kill me. <laughs> Come on. He was in family turmoil. And God comes in and says, this is what your destiny is. He said, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I've done what I promised for you. Say that again. I will not leave you until I've done what I promised for you. Someone shout, I will not, God says he will not leave you. That's Old Testament. We have a better covenant. God will not leave you until he said what he was, he was going to do, he's, he does. Until it's finished. Until it's complete. Uh, come on. God is trying to do something in your life. And he's wanting you to come into agreement with that. Listen, all throughout the earth, we're looking. He's looking to and fro for people who are, are in agreement. In agreement with what he's going to do. Until I've done. I will not leave you. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised and Jacob awoke from his sleep. Everyone say awoke. I'm telling you, we have to wake up from the sleep. I know God wants to speak through dreams, but I like visions better because it happens more frequent for me. He said he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven, right? And early the next morning, he woke up. He placed a stone under his head, and he set it on a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called the place Bethel, right? Listen, there's something of God, of us realizing where we are. Come on, someone in this room has to realize where they are. Come on, whether it's... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Come on. It, you have to realize where God has put you, where he's placed you, and how, what that looks like because we are always looking outside for something else. And God has placed you someplace so that you can encounter him and that you don't miss him. Come on. He's right next to you and he's around you. Are you aware of it? It's more than me just shouting this at you. It has to become reality. It has to become reality that when I am, wherever I am, he's there. Wherever you are, wherever you stand, wherever you begin to seek the Lord and, and you say, I don't feel anything. No, no, God is there. You, know, you must become aware and aware of the supernatural, aware of the place, aware of the gate of heaven, aware of the things that are open all around you, yet you don't understand and see. And God says, listen, begin to understand, begin to grab hold, begin to step into it, because I'm telling you the gates will open wider and more frequently. Come on. Come on. We want to, we wanna, come on, I'm, I'm looking for, for heaven's agenda for my life. And so that won't happen until I step into the place and realize, God, you're speaking clearly. God, you're, you're all around me. I don't, I don't ever doubt. 
I don't ever doubt one moment that you're not with me. But I, I see you in everything. I see your hand on everything I'm doing. I, I acknowledge you in all my ways, said David. First stage has to do with separation, right? Separating us from the past. The second stage has to do with our desire for God and our awareness of God and our desire for His presence. Right? God is looking for us to desire Him. He's looking for our hearts to be yearning for Him in every way, shape, and form. Right? I got A.W. Tozer said this. He said, contentment with earthly goods is the mark of a saint. Contentment with our spiritual state is a mark of inward blindness. Hello. It says that he awoke. So when we become content with our spiritual state, it's a mark of inward blindness. I'm telling you, everyone in this room, myself included, I just was like, when I began to read this, I was like, God... I repent. Any place where I feel like I've arrived, any place where I feel like everything's good and not striving. Listen, guys, it's not in striving, but we need to get, we need to repent of inward blindness. Come on, pride is inward blindness. Lack of humility, inward blindness. Looking every place else except for where you are right at that moment, it's inward blindness. I'm telling you, we're always looking for the next thing. Come on. And I look forward to whatever God's doing ahead, but I have to become content with where he has me right now. Like I can't go way beyond. I can see it from afar and believe for it. Listen, it's something about seeing the vision and going for it. But there's something about you have to understand that we're in the process. You are in the process, and when God has you in the process... You are sitting in the place where God is, where the Holy Spirit is brooding and dwelling over your life. And he wants to bring you out and beyond it. And, it's, and he said this. He said, Christianity has fallen, into a, has fallen to its present lower state from a lack of spiritual desire. Among the many who profess the Christian faith, scarcely one in a thousand Reveals any passionate thirst for God. You can say ouch. That's an ouch. I don't know. I go, I, I read that and I'm like, oh, it's true. David said this. He said, one thing I ask. That which I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life. To gaze upon his beauty on the beauty of the Lord, and seek Him in His temple. At some point, we have to desire Him more than anything. I'm just being honest. To get anything really done in the kingdom, I have to desire Him more than anything. I have to be led by the Spirit, and I have to desire Him more than anything. And we went over this last week. Listen, desire should bring you to run with Him. 
right? Because you, you hear what he says, and he continues to open up his goodness, his mercy, his power, his, his, his awesomeness to us. It should get us excited. It should bring us beyond what we ever thought or imagined. It should bring us way past that. So I'm saying to you tonight, listen, our desire is everything. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm the man that loves more. <laughs> I just want more. God, more. But I have to learn to be content with what's here. And love and gloat in the goodness of God over my life. Because just because I'm here doesn't mean he's not looking. Like we, I think we have this perception in spiritual life that he's beyond where we are. When he's right with you. Like he's not at the end of the finish line. He's with you now. Let's talk about Jericho. That's talking about breaking off spiritual blindness. Because <laughs> God wants to break spiritual blindness off of us. Come on. Ready? We're going to repent for it right now. Really. Put your hands up. Because I, I don't want to be spiritually blind. Come on. It's interactive church. It should be every week. Ready? Father, we thank you. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes right now. That, Father, we'd see you in all your glory and all your presence and all everything that you do. We repent right now. I repent right now. And they can agree with me. Lord, we repent right now of spiritual blindness. And we ask that you open our eyes wide, that we'd be fully awake, fully, fully awake, that we would see everything that you have, that we wouldn't miss one thing, that we wouldn't be asleep to, to the, to the things that are around us, but Father, we'd be engaged and filled with light. I just speak fullness of light all around us. The light that would completely, completely blind us to the things of this world and we would only see you in Jesus' name. You should take that. That was good. Really, Jericho is talking about walking by faith, right? Said they came to came to Jericho, and what you see in the natural can and will deter you from the faith dimension. Are you hearing me? See, it's, it's this world that gets us blind. This is what gets you blind, right? When, I, when I'm looking at things through my natural eye, and I look and I assess through my natural eye, right? Jesus said the same thing. He said, no, I'm not going to discern by what the natural eye sees, but what the spirit of a man is. Come on. And you need to begin to discern spiritually. Come on, there's things going around us. You know, people, <laughs> preachers. You know, you know, I'm telling you, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening, and we're not seeing clearly. Right? We want to run the race, and I want to run in purity, and I want to have the grace of God, come on, flowing in my life. That means the ability to do everything he's caused, he, he called us to do. But there's this place that God's saying, Break spiritual blindness. Break it. Because it's stopping you from getting where I'm calling you to go. Why? Because we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Right? You know the scripture. We know it in and out. It's perfect for the refrigerator. I walk by faith and not by sight. No, seriously. And, and there's this place where the Lord is trying to get you out of blind faith to see. But I know some of it's blind because I've gone into places where I'm like, God, I don't even know what you're doing here. And Holy Spirit, you need to come and, and totally wreck the place. 
I watched it. I watched it in the Philippines. I watched it overseas. I watched it in, in, around here. I watched it over and over where I don't know what I'm doing, yet he's stepping into the midst of it. Ready? Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Because this is what God's talking about. <laughs> and it came to pass when Joshua, you know, you know the story, that when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes, and behold, a man stood opposite, opposing him, with, a, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua said to him, are you for us or, or our adversaries? Scary. And he said, but he said, no. <laughs> Good answer. No. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> but as the commander of the, of the army of the Lord, and I, I have now come, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. I'm telling you, God is about to confront us with a question. He's going to come to us, like, remember I said, scary Holy Spirit? Are you for us or against us? And he'll say, no, I'm here to take over. That's what I believe the Lord is going to, we're going to enter into this. That the Lord is about to take over. He's not, listen, he's, he's coming into the land and he's given us a, listen, th there's a confrontation of him in all his power and all his strength and all his splendor as the Lord of the army. Come on, with the hosts that go with him. What, you think Joshua was just seeing Jesus? Maybe his eye was fixed on Jesus at that moment. But I guarantee you that there was a squadron of angels all around him. And if you look into the supernatural, I guarantee you he was scared spit. It says that he fell on his face in the earth. Listen, there's something that God wants to do in our place, in our posture, when God says he's coming to take over, what do we do? Get on my face. Worship. And then ask a question. What do you want me to do? Because the last question is the most important thing. When our hearts are postured down... And this is what I wanted to get into a little bit tonight because I know this. We continually strive to push our will and not his will. We want our agenda and not his agenda. Well, it looks good like this because I'm looking in the natural. When I'm looking in the natural and I'm seeing things in the natural, he's saying, listen, look at the supernatural. Look at what I'm doing outside. Look by faith at what I'm about to do. There's something that he wants to do beyond us that we can't just come and, you, you have to come into agreement with it and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do. If you want me to burn everything and let everything be a sacrifice under you, I will do that because sometimes he calls us to that. He's going to call you to burn the family business sometimes. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes you're thinking he's calling you for, for everything, and he's not. 
what is he saying to you? I don't have the answer for you. God has the answer for you. The Holy Spirit has the answer for you. He wants to release everything to us that, we, that he said, I've come to take over. Listen, he doesn't merely come to, to step into a situation and help. Are you hearing me? He doesn't just show up on the helper. I know he does say that, right? The Holy Spirit is the helper. But I'm telling you, he's come to take over the situation. He wants to take the situation. But you have to come into agreement with him. Right? Because we can't just go around and say, oh, God has it. Holy Spirit has it. And not come into agreement with what he's doing. What does that mean? That means you take action in the things that he says. You begin to move where he's moving. You begin to be led by the Spirit. I said this last week. You're led by the Spirit. God leads you by his Spirit to what? The right place to go. The right job to be at. The right mission. The right calling. Calling doesn't have to be fivefold. come on, grace gifts. Calling can be to the marketplace and to, to just bring heaven there. It was crazy. I, Dan sent me this little video. It was, it was actually the very thing I said last week. Like sometimes we can be called to be, you know, pastors are called to be accountants. <laughs> and they didn't fund the gospel like they were supposed to. They missed it. Sometimes someone was called to just to be a mom and pray for the kids and raise godly kids that were going to win the earth to Jesus. Come on. It's not a lower calling. But what is God saying? And sometimes you've got pastors that are trying to be, come on, accountants and financiers. Oops, missed. Right? So it's so important. Like we take these things kind of lightly. Like God's just sovereign. He's just going to do it. I believe partly in that. But I also believe that God is speaking clear enough, and he's given you the ability to hear him. And when you hear him, you better obey him. You better listen. You better move with him. You better follow him. It's all got to do with spiritual blindness, right? In the three synoptic gospels, ready? What happened in Jericho? Synoptic Gospels, I'll explain that. Ready? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. No, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, sorry. That's the synoptics, right? John is not. That means that there's three occasions where Jesus speaks about blind men seeing, and they will happen to be in Jericho. I'm just using this because it absolutely fits into my message. How's that? So, I just realized that God healed the blind man. It was blind Bartimaeus. Remember blind Bart? Come on, he was, he was told, listen, hey, hey, quiet down. Jesus doesn't want to hear. And no, no, he, he shouted all the more, it says. Right, he said, that I might receive my sight. And that's why we just did what we did. We want to, re we want to repent of any blindness and cry out to God, God, that I might see clearly. So all through the Gospels, it's there, right, by what? He said to, to blind Bartimaeus, he said, get up, rise up, receive your healing by faith. Yeah. 
So we need to see beyond the natural into the miraculous. Right? Everyone in this room, God is calling you to see beyond the natural circumstances into the miraculous end. We want to believe for miracles? Come on. Paul said, I see faith. He saw faith on people. I've seen faith on people. Sometimes, come on, sometimes I'm preaching in this room, I see faith on people. Sometimes I'm preaching in this room, I don't see faith on people. I see sleepiness. I see, come on. No, it doesn't happen often, but every now and then it does. Come on. I'm in the right church. And, it, and I'm telling you, there's something to be said because when you see something on someone, like I, I, I can tell you that it was crazy. I, and I always go back to this, but when we were in the Philippines and we were praying for people in, this, in, the, in the office, uh, in one of the rooms, it was just a small room, and we just began to pray for people, probably like 30, 40 people at, at best, right? And every one of them was like, when we prayed for healing, it was just done. And I kept asking, are you sure? <laughs> right? Holy Spirit's like, shut up. I'm sure. You know? You understand what I'm saying? There wasn't even a question. It wasn't, they weren't looking for pain. They're looking for healing. They weren't looking for anything else other than God to touch them. And that's faith. That's what we believe in. It, when it's active in the room, that's why words and knowledge is so powerful. It can, it can elevate the, come on. It can elevate the spirit of faith in the room. That all of a sudden the miraculous begins to move all around. Holy Spirit wants to do that tonight, right? And the last one I want to talk about is the Jordan, right? The Jordan speaks of newness of life. The Jordan speaks of the resurrection. The, the Jordan speaks of the power of God moving. And it says this, that Elijah said to him, please stay here, please. And he said, as the Lord lives, I will not, I will not leave you. And the two of them went on. John 12 says this, 23. It says, Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it remains alone. If it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal, eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me where I am. There my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And look, I'm telling you, Elijah knew this. When the call of God came upon his life, he was ready to go. He was ready to run. He was ready to go after. And his own hopes and dreams of whatever he had in his past were now thrown at the wayside. He just took them and threw them aside. Because I'm telling you, many times we can, have, we can have a place where we believe God. God is going to do this. We, we're believing for all kinds of different things. And God calls you and sets you in a trajectory. And everything changes. Elijah knew this. So I just want to look at a couple things. Ready? Remember I said this. Luke 9, I said it earlier. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Holy Spirit is calling for a people who will just take. Come on, they'll just follow. When Jesus says, come, we go. When Jesus says, go there, you go there. 
And, and what I'm saying to us tonight is we need to, it's so important, it's so important that we give our lives completely over, right? There was a first anointing that Elijah received. Come on, remember at the beginning. First anointing was saying, yes, God, I, I, I ask, God, that you would come and that I'll follow you all the days of my life. That's what I want to do. I'm calling, I'm, I'm going to follow everything that you did. I'm calling, I'm, I'm stepping into the new places that you're calling me to. And I'm following, I'm chasing after you. Not just, because it says this. It says that the Bible says that he threw his mantle on him. And then Elijah went running ahead of him. And the Bible says that he chased him. He went after him. He followed him. And I don't know what you're following after tonight. I don't know what we chase after. Come on, there's people in this room who are chasing after all kinds of different things. But I know this, that God wants to touch us in a way that we don't ever turn our backs. We continue to straight, straight on, move forward with him, right? Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to kind of tie it all up with this because there's Chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, for we are the circumcision. What did I say about circumcision? It's separation. It's consecration, right? We are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Everyone in, the, in this room should have no confidence in your flesh. Your flesh will deceive you. Your flesh will, come on, it will deceive you. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. Paul says, if anyone thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I so more. Circumcised on the eighth day, right? It talks all about his history. And it says this, verse 7, says, but what things were gained to me? These things I have counted loss, yet I indeed also count things of loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Everyone say all things. God wants everything. Everything. Your relationships, your money. your desires, your opinions. Come on, we all have opinions. He wants everything. I count it all loss, right? But these things were gained to me. These things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, right? For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain one thing, Jesus, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Say, by faith. By faith. Listen, you have to believe it to take it. I'm telling you, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. How many want to do that? Be conformed to his death. I got three people. 
Who wants to be conformed to his death? Listen, I know he suffered everything that you would have everything, but you must be conformed to his death. That means you die to the things that you desire. That means you die to all your earthly wants. That means you desire so that you walk in your will. You die to your will. Your will. Come on, it's that thing, it's that thing that's stubborn. <laughs> Come on, any stubborn people in the room? I'm the only one. Okay, no, that's lots of people. No, listen, that's what I'm talking about. That is your will. That is where you say no. I know what you're saying, but I'm not going there. And you may actually agree. It's like the, it's like the story about the person that says, I'm agreeing. They're sitting down, but they're actually standing up. Come on, you know. Like they're saying no. And I just, wanna, I just want us to focus on this for a minute because God wants to take that place where I, I know everything. You don't know anything. You do not know anything. He knows everything. I'm not saying we don't have mental intellect. I'm saying we think we know what's best. But the end leads to death. That by any means, by any means, Paul says, by any means, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Being conformed. Listen, you fellowship in his sufferings. Ready? There's three things. Ready? Gilgal. The separation. Ready? If anyone thinks, it's this verse, right? Philippians 6, 7 says, But whatever was to my prophet, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. Gilgal. Philippians 6 and 7. Bethel, the house of God. Ready? You're getting, you're getting the cliff notes now. It's just in one thing that Paul said. Ready? The house of God. The desire to know God and to be in his presence and to give ourselves to encounter. Right? It's Philippians 3, 8. The surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Everyone in this room should just say, yes, Jesus, I want you in such a way. I, I, there's nothing else that I want, right? Jericho. Faith. Again. Faith. Philippians 3, 9. Ready? I said it. Not having the righteousness of my, of my own. That comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is faith. Are you with me? Holy Spirit, let us understand. Holy Spirit, let us grab a hold of it. Holy Spirit, ready? Death and resurrection again. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground. That means we die to everything so that Christ might live inside of us. I'm telling you, we want the power of Jesus, but we don't want to die. <laughs> I want all of Jesus in me, but I don't want to die to my stuff. I want all of who he is to flow in my life. I want the resurrection life. I want eternal life. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship and the sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. There's something that the Lord wants to do in these moments, right? That as we, con as we continue to contend for, his, for a life that's filled with him, right? Paul said, I strive. 
that the power of Jesus Christ may be manifest in my life. Yeah, he's striving for one thing, to meet Jesus every day, to engage with heaven every day, to be encountering God every day so that his life is completely filled. Who was it? It was my mother last night that was sharing about Columba and how in the end, in his death, St. Columba, who was a was a desert saint. He lived in this little little hermit out in the in the in the in in Scotland, I believe it was. And and his some of the guys, some of the people who who had followed him and 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 were servants to him, and and there were other monks. They were up in the up in the uh, highlands, and they saw Columbus House, and the light of God just pierced down upon his house when the Holy Spirit took him away. And they knew, come on, just like the story, they knew when he was taken up. But it used to, they used to say this, that when he was praying in his little place, in his little hut, that the light of heaven was blowing through the keyholes, through every place that there was a crack because there was so much power in his life that he lived a place in a place that his life was completely given over to the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit in his life. And you're saying, well, he was a monk in the <laughs> third, you know, whatever century, right? Listen, it's available to you. If it was available to him, your life can be filled with light. I'm just believing God for inconceivable light over your life. That the, 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 the monks who lived in the mysteries of God is available for you today. You don't have to be a monk somewhere in a, in a hamlet someplace. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to be locked away. Come on, I'm believing God to fill houses and homes with, with the light of the gospel. And that when you get out of your, your, your vehicle and you begin to speak to people, that the light of God is not just, come on, it's not just in your house. It's in your eyes. And when you begin your, right, the Bible says this, that you'd be filled with light and all abundance of light. That, when, that if you would continually feed on, white, on light, on the one who's full of light, then you would begin to beam that light out. That you would be a lighthouse for heaven. And I'm asking you tonight, listen, there's two things that I know that the Lord wants to release. Listen, you want the same spirit that was on Elijah, and that was a life that was covenanted to him. I want the second mantle. Like, I want the mantle. I want the double portion. But it's not. Listen, I get all the portion with Jesus. There's nothing else. I don't need a double portion. Jesus has it all. But there was two things. The one saying, yes, God, yes. That's where it brings us to tonight. Will you help me? That's where it brings us to tonight. God's saying, God, we, we're, we're crying out to the Lord saying, Holy Spirit, I say yes to you. And I, I, I feel like we do this every week. And it, it should be. I just have to say yes to God. But the second part of that is saying, God, I want you to work my inner man so that everything, here's the deal. Everything. It came to the end of Elijah's life. No, he was perfect. Was he human? He wasn't Jesus. But he, he showed us a picture of a life that was about to release everything he had to the next generation. Whatever he had, he was going to give it away. And I'm telling you, there's something about the church and what he wants to do in these days that is about releasing everything 
Come on, I want to receive everything from heaven so that I can give it away. Freely I receive and freely I give. Freely I take from heaven. I don't take for myself, for my own selfish gains. I don't take for any of that. I take so that I can give it away. So that the halls of heaven will be filled and the halls of hell will be emptied. And there has to be a place where we make a decision say, yes, God, I want to give it all to you. I'll follow you. I'll take everything I have, all, my, all the things that I've thought were going to be what it looked like. I'm going to throw it all aside right now. And I'm going to say, God, bring me into the place and I'll follow you. And the second thing I want you to do, you're just saying yes to that tonight. Just stand with me. Just stand. That there's a desire. A groaning. That you give your will over. Because it's one thing. We have Christians all the time that say, ah, yes to Jesus. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you truth. We have believers every day that say yes to Jesus and then walk opposite. And I want you to take everything that you've believed and I want you to lay it in one place right at the feet of Jesus. Say, God, I ask you that you take it right now, that everything, Father, everything that I have, everything of part of who I am, Lord, my will, I give to you right now in these moments. Because this is where the church is going to either shift into high gear or just stay back where we've been. I'm telling you, it's about the will. And God wants you to release your will. That means you're understand and you know that you're consecrated you're hungry for an encounter that all these things that resurrection life will be fully yours yes if you accepted jesus if you if you walked through the door if you opened the door and walked into jesus and said lord i give you lordship of my life tonight i give you complete i give you complete lordship over my life but i'm asking god that you come and that you help me because you have to teach me how to give my will I'm not standing here saying, I know it's an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. <laughs> no, it's just saying, but the Holy Spirit just saying, yield. Give yourself. God, I want to give myself completely over. I don't want to stumble back into the same mindsets. I don't want to stumble back into the same patterns. I don't want to stumble back into the same addictions. I want to just run after you, and I want to give my life completely to you. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray, but I'm going to tell you to come up again because there will be prayer teams. People will come and pray for you. I just know this, that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in the place of our will. And even if you're on prayer team and you say, I want that done, just pray. Listen, it doesn't matter. Whatever has to happen, God wants to do. So I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to do something powerful powerful ready Lord I yield myself right now I want you to just come in agreement I want you to if you got to pray in the spirit something's got to happen if you got to cry out some of us need to just get before the Lord but there needs to be a, a slaying of the will ready 
That's, that's what the yoke of oxen is. It's a slaying of the will. <laughs> it's got to be slayed. It's got to be killed. It's got to be... Listen, if you, if you love your life, you, you'll lose it. If I love my life, I'm going to lose it. If I just say, God, take my life, I'm going to gain everything. So, God, we thank you tonight for your love. We thank you for your patience. <laughs> You're so patient with us. And I thank you for every person in this room. And we just declare destiny on every person in this place. And I ask, Father, that you release your power and your presence all over this room. And, Lord, we thank you. I thank you that we open our lives and we give ourselves completely to you. But, God, I just ask for you to take my will, my, my personal will. God, I give it to you right now. And, Lord, I don't want to pick it up. I want your will be done. Lord, we're looking for heaven to come. And it says that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And so we thank you, Father, with all of you, who you are, that you can do these things in a moment, a supernatural moment. And we give ourselves completely over to that right now. Right now. Right now.